Good morning, True Life. Hey, I love the name, love your pastor. Uh, he is truly a, a great man of God and uh, part of the ark. And so when he came in here, we said, let's do it. And uh, when he finally settled on this theater, in fact, I told him, I said, you know what? I had thoughts on planning a church here. Uh, and uh, now I don't have to. Amen. So he's doing it, and he is doing a great job with all of the leadership team he's got in place here. It's amazing, uh, amazing band. Uh, all of it is just working together. Yeah, give yourselves a hand. Amen, all of you. So that's, that's awesome. So we're just, we're glad to be a part of that and a part of this, this church. I feel like we are a part because uh, we are connected in the spirit. And that's, it's just one church in the world. It's the church of Jesus Christ, and we're just all under shepherds uh, laboring together, and uh, some in this field, some in this field, and, and encouraging, helping, and we're all on the battlefield together, and that's what it's all about. So, hey, I'd like to give special thanks and appreciation to my wife. You may not can see her, but uh, why don't you stand up, Barbara, one more time. Give her just a warm praise. Uh, Barbara and I have been married over 40 years, uh, and so uh, we were married as teenagers. Now, uh, we, we say that, uh, you know, that may not work for everybody, but it worked for us really, really good. It kept us out of a lot of trouble, too. And so, uh, but uh, we've been serving alongside and pastoring many years. I was in the corporate world for almost 20 years, worked for DuPont. And uh, had a degree in physics and then went back and got a Master of Divinity. I didn't know why. And then God, we planted a church in the Carolinas. And then God said, no, turn that over to a guy there and come to Delaware with DuPont. And I thought my ministry days were over. And uh, God said, no, I've got other plans. And so 22 years ago, we started Love of Christ here in Delaware and uh, launched it and uh, with 17 people and we didn't have uh, the the training the equipping that art does and we were just flying by the seat of our pants literally so it's been all god and uh, it's been a journey so we've enjoyed it and and we do we feel like we've got an assignment here in delaware to help every other church that can win somebody then we're working together amen and that's what it's about. And anything you can do to serve, to be back there, even in that nursery or in those kids or on your campus or in your job or wherever you are from, we're here working, laboring together. And the church is the instrument which God is blessing and, and using in a great way. So we're all behind that and, and all part of the same thing. Today, I really want to bring a, a message to you. Uh, the Lord laid on my heart as I was praying what to bring, what to speak to this this church today. And because um, Michael just kind of gave me a wide open field. And when you got the wide open field, Genesis to Revelation, there's a lot in there. Amen. Uh, so you really have to seek God. And I believe I did. And I believe that we need to be aware of what we're doing and the battle that we are Michael mentioned it about someone having the target on their back even bigger now that they're stepping up. Well, I just want you to know that every one of us have a target on us. And the target is mankind because the enemy, the devil, hates man. He hates man because he uh, gives his worship to the one and true God. And Satan wants that worship. Satan hates us. 
And he hates that we're special. He, we, he hates that God loves us. He hates that we worship the Lord of Almighty, of all creation. And so he's after us. And what I want to do is kind of bring that to our understanding this morning in a little deeper way, understanding the enemy and how he attacks and what we work on. So uh, you've got notes if you want to follow along and fill in a few blanks. But I always encourage you, don't just fill in the blanks. Fill in the things the Holy Spirit tells you. Because the Holy Spirit is here. And he has come to teach us and instruct us. And if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then he's inside of you. And he wants to tell you things. And even things that I'm not telling you. So you're just in the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit under the covering of all the prayer and the worship that's going on here by this great, amazing team. And now the Holy Spirit's ready to speak to you. So as you're hearing these things, when you hear that other voice inside of you, that little still small voice, write that down. Because when you get out of here, you'll forget it. And so uh, make sure you capture those things too as you do. And uh, it'll just help you grow and help you realize that God has a plan for your life. Now, as we do... We want to get right into the the message here of, number one, remembering that the enemy defeating keys. In other words, we want to remember how to defeat the enemy, what the keys are to defeating the enemy. We find it in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. It says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, who? Everybody say the devil. We have an enemy. He has a name. He's called the devil. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Now, when we look at this, let me just give you a few backgrounds. First of all, that he says that we have an enemy and we know who he is. He's no longer a secret now, so you can say you've identified the enemy, and the enemy is the devil. And and I looked up that word enemy and put it in a little box there in your notes, and it means one seeking to injure, to overthrow. This is an amazing one. Put to shame or kill an opponent. And that's really what Satan has come. It says that he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And when he cannot kill, steal, and destroy you, he will do everything to put you to shame. He will do everything to stop you from being effective as an instrument in God's hands. He will pull you off of the battlefield. He will sideline you. He will cause you to lose shame. He will cause you to fall into sin. He will attack you in ways that you don't know just because now you are no longer an effective witness on the battlefield. And so that's what he's after. So if he, he can't get you, he can't cost you to lose your soul, but he can cost you to pull you off the battlefield. That's what he's, he seeks, to injure you and get you off the battlefield. One, to kill you totally. If he can't, he's going to make you ineffective in everything that you do. You know, there's a lot of different viewpoints about the devil. You know, some people are like, oh, I don't even know that there is a devil. And all that, you know, that's kind of like spooky or, you know, what's that about? You know, why are we talking about the devil? Well, we just can't imagine how many times in the scripture it's referenced. In fact, I did a little research and it said the word devil is used 36 times. The name Satan is used 54 times. Evil spirit is used 36 times. And demon 
is used 82 times, which is a, a spirit in controlled by Satan that inhabits and attacks people. Now, that's hundreds and hundreds of times throughout the Scripture that the word devil or his issue or his attack, and that's not even counting all the other places. And some people say, well, let's just don't talk about the devil. I don't like talking about the devil. I don't want to hear about the devil. Well, that's what the devil wants. He wants to keep you where he's in secret because as long as he's in secret, he can sneak up on you like a roaring lion and devour you. But, you know, you use other scriptures like there's only one time in the Bible where it says born again. And you know what? We'll spend lots of energy. You know, you must be born again, you know, in John three sixteen, You know, there's only three times in the Bible where the word Christian is used. Only three times where the word Christian is used. In fact, two of the times is used in a, a, a negative connotation. One where it said uh, they called all those guys that followed Jesus a Christians. They, they kind of put a slur on them. And another place it said that Paul was talking to the king and he says, you know, King Agrippa, he said, well, Paul, are you trying to make me one of those old weak mamby-pamby Christians in such a short time? But you know what? We say Christian all the time. Christian, 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 Christian. In fact, we say we want people to become a Christian. We want to make Christians. And really, I'll just point this with you. God never said go out and make Christians. He said go out and make disciples of Jesus. People who wholeheartedly follow, devoted to Jesus Christ as Lord and who wholeheartedly follow and help others find him. That's what Jesus said, go out and make. So that's what you're doing here. I know Michael's heart. That's what y'all do here with your training, your equipping, and everything that you're doing. That's what's so amazing, and, and that's why we're such got a heart together. So we, we love doing this thing together. Now let me give you these keys and just talk about them. They're found in that scripture, uh, but... Let me just break them down for you. Number one is self-control. You see it in this passage above. He says, be self-controlled. Alert your enemy, the devil, prowls around. Well, the first one is self-control. That means living in obedience to please God, not the devil. In other words, we take our lives and we control our flesh. We control our emotions We control, we take control because that's what the devil wants to do is take control and influence you to do the wrong things. And so we're going to live in control, live in control sexually, emotionally, mentally, physically. We're going to live in control because once we're out of control in any of those areas, then he has us as a tool in his hand. Number two, alert. This is key to knowing your enemy and overcoming him. You must be alert, which means knowing and avoiding the devil's schemes. Because he has so many trick plans up his sleeve that we don't even realize are his. And I'm going to share with you some of those today so that we'll be alert. Number three says resist, which means you confront him. That's an active mood. It's not one that's just like, oh, I wish he'd quit beating me up. It means, no, resist means you take an action stand. You go on the war. You go against him with an attack. And the real weapons that you really have at your disposal are powerful. We don't have time to go through all that. But it's the word of God and it's Jesus' name. You use the word. You use his name against this one to resist him. And, of course, he'll flee. And then number four is you're standing firm in the faith. And that means confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior. 
That means having the foundation that you are born again, that you are changed, and that Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, through the Holy Spirit, is living on the inside of you. Because if he's not living on the inside of you, then you have no power to fight the enemy. You have no power to resist him. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to come and live inside of you and be in control of your lives. And at this time, like I do at my church, at the end of this message, I'll give you an opportunity. If you don't know Jesus as Lord, you're not certain that if you were to die today, you'd spend eternity in heaven with Jesus that Jesus lives inside of you by the power of his Holy Spirit, I'm going to give an invitation, an opportunity to receive. I'm not going to call you up or anything else, but it'll be your decision to make Jesus Lord today, and I'll give you that opportunity because that's your number one battle plan right there is get Jesus in you because guess what? He can overcome all the power of the enemy. So we've got to remember these keys to be self-control, to be alert, looking, knowing, uh, what's going on? You know, when I'm when we're in other countries, my wife and I love to travel, and she just is kind of like naive when it comes to like worrying about people, you know. But we're going to. She just wants to find the next shortcut to the next shop that has some kind of pretty scarf in, something like that. And we're going down these little alleys, and of course, what I am, I feel responsible for her, and so I'm on alert. You know, I'm looking around every corner. I'm watching. You know, when somebody following me too much. You know, I'm looking for them. But you know what? She said, what's the matter with you? There's nothing wrong here. Let's just go on. I said, well, I feel a responsibility, you know, to protect her. You know, I used to think it was just I was a lot more afraid. (laughs) But now I realize it's my responsibility to protect her because you have to be alert. You know, there's some alleys you just don't want to walk down at 1 o'clock in the morning, you know, without being fairly armed and on trigger and ready to deal with the issue, (laughs) You know, there's just some places you need to be aware. Or y'all, y'all understand that, don't you? That's where you get hurt is when you go into a place that you're not supposed to be in. Any, By the way, if you're out at 1 or 2 in the morning, you sh- that's really your problem right there. You should have been home at bed, asleep by 10, and then you're safe at home. Amen? So there you go. Pastor Steve gave you the secret to safety. Be in bed by 10. If you never forget anything else, there you go. But you got to be alert and you got to be ready to fight. You need to pull your concealed weapon or whatever you got going or either have fast legs that run. Fa- you got to be alert. You got to be ready. And then you got to, you know, resist. And then you got to stand in the faith. You got to have the battle armor on, which is Jesus Christ himself. Now, let me give you those several schemes. I want you to recognize the enemy schemes. Because he does have schemes or, or attack plans just for each and every one of us. We find this in Ephesians 6.10. It says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's what? Schemes. Everybody say schemes. For our struggle... And now that is, we have struggles. Some of you may not realize it because maybe you're not resisting. You're just going with the flow, so there's no struggle. Uh, but there is a struggle. is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities and powers in the dark world. And it sounds like the dark force, you know, the side, you know. Well, there is. There is a dark world, a spiritual forces of evil. Everybody say evil. 
Because that's what we're battling is an issue of good and evil. And that's the dark side. And it's very clearly. In fact, uh, the guys that wrote those movies and everything else, they went to the Bible and used the themes of the Bible just to give them inspiration. I mean, they said it on some of their, 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 their uh, reports and everything. This great battle of the dark and the light side when they were doing. But it's in, in heavenly realms. Now, our battle's not flesh and blood. Let me just say this to you. That so many times we go through circumstances and we're being attacked in our workplace, in our classroom, in our home, or in our neighborhood. And we see it in the form of people because people are giving us a hard time. But I want you to just change your your perspective and realize that your battle is not people. It's not your husband. (laughs) You know, can all the husbands say amen? Amen. You know, it's not your boyfriend, it's not your neighbor, it's not, it's, it's not flesh and blood, but it's spiritual. And this will help you because sometimes people will hurt you. But if you can look at people as being just uh, somehow they've gotten captured to be used by the enemy, and all I need to do is realize I, I love them, but I don't like the enemy that's using them right now. This will help you mature so much better and, let, and be able to forgive them as we go. Now, let me tell you what this scheme is. He has these schemes. Well, I look this word up. It, it is a Greek word, but I don't normally put you the Greek words, but I love when the Greek word shows similar to what you might understand. It's methodia which, of course, is methods. He has many methods, methodias, uh, or strategies. And that really means a careful plan or a method. And it actually goes back to a strategy, which means a science of military command to engage the enemy in an advantageous condition. We have an enemy, and he is scientifically strategizing looking for an attack plan, and he designs it just for you. When you think that, you know, Patton had a plan to take North Africa, you know, when we have a plan to go in and take many of these other wars and things, they sit down and devise the battle plan as we're remembering veterans, and now we're going to attack on this beach and move inward. There is a the plan And what the enemy is trying to do is draw you into a place where they have the advantage over you having advantage. It's sort of like anybody hear about Custard Last Stand, y'all, kind of from history, uh, where the Indians very carefully set up Custard to go into a place where he had no protection and he was completely surrounded. And guess who won? Uh, Not him, because the enemy took him out. And so that's what the enemy's trying to do with us. He's trying to set you up down the dark alley, in that room, in that dorm room, in that place in your work, wherever it is, with that person, with that guy that's going after you, with people and circumstances and situations. He's trying to set you up to take you out. And he will devise the plan that's unique for you because he knows where your weaknesses are. He sits and observes you. He sees what you'd look at on the internet. He knows what you're going on on your heart by the seeing and observing. He has spiritual powers and forces and rulers and authorities all over. It's like a hierarchy. They're out there and they're waiting to attack. 
And that's what we need to know what these schemes are. Now, what I did, I said, okay, God, if, they, if the Satan has schemes, show them to me. Give me some specific schemes that he would go after. So I went through the scriptures and looked at some places. And this, there are probably more, but I'm just going to give you, uh, I think it's, I have five today, very quickly, as quickly as I can, that are showing you where in scripture somebody was manipulated or under attack by the devil and how that came to him. Let's look at them. Number one, he, his scheme is, his first scheme is to tempt us to sinful action. Sinful meaning anything that's not God's will. When you miss God's will, when you miss that mark, what his standard, what his desire is for you, that's, that, that's what sin is. When we see this even uh, in the life of Jesus. Here he is, perfect God, fully God, full of the Holy Spirit. He goes into the wilderness to fast. For 40 days, he's been fasting, on just, you know, complete, total fast. So he's getting pretty weak physically, and he still carried this body. And in verse 4, uh, I mean, chapter 4 of Matthew, verse 1, it says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. To be tempted by the devil. You know, sometimes we say that, you know, well, I was tempted by the devil. Well, that word tempt means just to test us. In other words, he goes over and kind of pokes you or he throws a swing to see if you got any reaction time. Well, you block it, you know. Or when some, he throws you a test like that person or that thing or that situation or that hurt or that wound. He's always looking for a way. He's testing you. It's like going through your black belt, you know, progression. You know, you, each way you've got to pass the test to go up. And that's what he's doing. He throws stuff. He sees how you react. But even here in Jesus, he was trying to tempt Jesus even in this time of weakness. Now, let me just share. If you want to go back and read this in Matthew 4 there, do that. But it says that the devil came to him right at his moment of weakness. And guess what? That's where the devil's going to hit you right when you're really hungry, right when you're really thirsty, right when you're really, you know, inspired by that beautiful lady or that gorgeous guy, whatever it might be, you know, at one in the morning when you shouldn't have been there, amen? Back home sleeping, you'd be off the battlefield. But uh, no, okay, let's move ahead. Uh, Here's what he did. Here's what the devil, he came and by tempting Jesus, he gives us a pattern. And uh, first of all, he came to him, he said, listen, I know you're hungry, and you're supposed to be the son of God, so turn this stone into bread. In other words, meet a physical need in your life. And uh, what does Jesus do? He comes back with the word. He, he blocks that. He comes back on the attack with the sword, which is the word. And he says, it is written. Everybody say, it is written. You see, that's the way we're supposed to attack, with the word. It is written. Pa! You know, that's what he comes back with. It is written. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And what he did is he hit with the word, he quoted the scripture, and he exalted God. Amen? And that's what we should do when we're in that. No, God says be pure and holy. Bam! Take that boy. Oh, I didn't mean to hit you, boy. I meant spiritually, but I pulled out the stick instead of the Bible. Hallelujah. But, you know, those things happen. Sometimes they might need that, you know. So here we are. He says, turn the stone. So it was a, he, was, he was appealing to self. He was appealing to feed his, their own desires, which is the lust of his flesh. 
Then he came to him and said, uh, again, he said, uh, if you're really God and powerful and God's son, then nothing's going to ever happen to you because he'll protect you. Throw yourself off this building and kill yourself. Or no, you, you won't even be hurt. Angels will protect you. <laughs> and uh, he said this again, away from me, Satan. Now, this is, a, this is a tool you should have in your vocabulary. Away from me, Satan. Let's say that together. Away from me, Satan. How many of y'all have ever said that? Any of y'all ever said that? You know, if, if, y'all, if that's the only one say, said it, we need a lot of practice here, amen? Because that's how we deal with this thing. We vocalize it. That's part of the resistance is away from me, Satan. And he, he came against him. He didn't just say, hey, come over here, spend some more time. I'm really weak right at the moment. Let's sit on the couch and watch, you know, uh, Jay Leno tonight, you know. No, away from me, Satan. We're going to deal with this. Uh, and then he goes this. He says, don't put the Lord to a test. You know, don't put yourself in a place where you're testing God. You know, don't try to kill yourself because hoping that God is going to show up. And I really appeal to so many young people because suicide is one of the biggest killers right now in America of our teenagers. And, and it's out, like Satan saying, you know, do this, do this, do this. You'd be happier. Throw yourself down. Kill yourself. And they're not able to say, get away, Satan. Get away, Satan. That thought is a Satan thought. And I resist it in Jesus' name. And that was the pride of life. He's always appealing to our pride. And then... The second, third thing he did, he finally told him, he says, away from me, Satan, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Because he was saying, if you'll worship me, I'll give you everything, the whole world. I'll give you the whole world. And he says, no, I, away from me, I'm going to only worship God. And that's not, the secret. Is our, he's after our worship, and we need to resist him in all those areas. Okay, when we look at this, there's this attack. He comes to us to tempt us. To a sinful action. Number two, he prompts us to a sinful assumption. A sinful assumption. We find this in John 13, 2, and it says, The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot of Simon to betray Jesus. The devil had prompted him. Why did Judas betray Jesus? Because the devil had prompted him. In other words, he... And I look up that word prompt just to see kind of what it means. It means to put it in the heart. Or it really means to put a thought in our mind. Because sometimes the devil has the ability to put a thought in our mind. And you say, well, I don't believe in that. Well, there it is in the Scripture. Argue with the Scripture. Don't argue with Pastor Steve. You know, I, I don't know how it works. I just know what God's Word. It says he put a thought in Judas's mind to betray Jesus. So there was a, a, a sinful assumption that came into him, this, this decision to take matters into his own hand, to take something and move ahead with it, to come against the leadership. So there's all the time those thoughts to come against leaders, to try to come against Pastor Michael and the leaders or the worship team leaders or the people who are, in, who are leading. They're, I mean, there's always something. Somebody gets an idea. Oh, I have a better idea. You know, I have a better idea. I could do that better. He had a better idea than Jesus, you know, doing what he was doing. He wanted Jesus to take over and rule and reign. I don't think he really wanted to kill him. He just wanted him to rise up and take, take his authority. 
You know, there's another place, if you want to write this scripture down and go back and study it, it's not in your notes. Matthew 16, verses 22. And it says that Peter is going along with Jesus, and he starts to rebuke Jesus. Now, how many of y'all are bold enough to rebuke Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe? Amen? I mean, isn't that, that's pretty amazing that he would do that. And he was talking about, I'm going to one day have to die. And Peter said, oh, no, no, not on my watch. <laughs> You're not doing that. You know, one was trying to get him down. The other one was trying to keep him from going. And it says, this shall not happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and he said to Peter, you know what he said to Peter? Get behind me. You know what he called him? Satan. Wait a minute. How many of y'all know if the Lord Jesus Christ turns to you and starts calling you Satan, you're not in a good position. Amen. You have probably messed up something pretty big, pretty serious, like you better get your act together, amen? Like, oh, when you get, you know, it's like when, uh, I don't say that. <clears throat> Be careful here. But when the, the Lord calls you Satan, in other words, he knew who it was. It was Peter, and Peter went on and did great things. But at that moment, he knew Peter was, and this is what he said to Peter, He said, get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block. And he said this about Peter. Peter, you don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. In other words, he had a thought in his mind to do something that was not God's will, which was to try to protect Jesus and keep him from going to the cross. Well, it was God's will that he go to the cross. So when we get thoughts in our ideals, sometimes they're good ideas, it's not a right idea. It's not a God idea. And so that's what he does. He tries to get us to a sinful assumption, meaning assumption that's not God's will. Number three, he will try to drive us, drive us to a sinful ambition. There's a passage in James 3, uh, beginning at verse 14, it says, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it. Or deny the truth. Such such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual. And where does it come from? Uh, It says, of the devil. You might circle that, all you good note takers out there. Of the devil. This selfish ambition is of the devil. That's what it says here. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder and every evil practice. Now, let me just straighten out something here. This is not about having ambition to go to college, to have a family, to make a career, to do great things with your life. No, this is, a, this is the type where he very clearly says when it's selfish, it's a drive to just promote self without the carrying on of your family, of the kingdom, of other people. When you get so self-focused that all you're thinking about is self, that's when he's saying you're, you're setting yourself up for a, an attack of the enemy. And that every disorder, every evil practice will come in our eyes. That we must resist. We must kind of check our motives. When we're doing things, saying things, when we're talking to someone, when we're trying to move ahead, we should say, you know, wait a minute. Is this just about me or is this about something bigger like the kingdom of God or like the helping of people of saving of lives, of encouraging, of teaching young kids or whatever. There's a motive that's beyond just your own selfish drive that's in there because when you do, you can be set up for that when we see that. As we see these three things, first of all, we can be tempted 
to take a sin, we can be prompted to make a sinful assumption. We can be driven to a sinful ambition. Or number four, we can be aroused to a sinful anger. In other words, anger is a tool that the devil used. In Ephesians 4 and 26, it says, In your anger, do not sin. You can be angry and not sin. Even Jesus was angry one time and took a cord and drove everybody out of the temple. But he was not angry and he didn't hold on to it. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. and Do not give the devil a foothold. I look up that word foothold there and it just means an opportunity. Or here's the scary one. It's an area of space or it's a place. And when anger, and really what he's saying here is when you hold on to anger for an extended period of time, it eats a hole in you. And that hole then is like an entryway into your heart. And that entryway then has the power for Satan to come in and start manipulating you. And some of us, we have right to be angry in some ways. And we were hurt. We were abused. We were humiliated. We were spat upon. We were raped. We were abused as a child. We were taunted. We were beaten up. We were embarrassed. Whatever that is, there's some kind. We were misunderstood. That person is after me. That person said something on Facebook and now I'm wounded and hurt. I'm angry. And that anger can be, yes, it is a part of who we are. But the key is, what do you do with it? Do you hold it? If you hold it, it could be a foothold for the enemy to come in and manipulate you and attack you and correct you and bring you down. And what the scripture says, it's all about forgiveness. He says in 2 Corinthians 2.10, if there's anything to forgive, I've forgiven in the sight of Christ in order that Satan might not outwit us. Now, put that in there because look what it says. When you're dealing with unforgiveness, that's a place where Satan can outwit you. But when you give it to Jesus, and you even ask, Lord, I don't, I, I've been there where I can't forgive. I don't, know, I don't have the power to forgive. But you can pray, Jesus, I give it to you. And I give you the power to help me forgive. And I'm going to make a confession that I don't even know how to do, Jesus. But I'm going to say the words, I forgive them. I let them go. I let them free. And you deal with them. But I'm not going to hold that anger in my heart because I know that's a foothold. How many of y'all don't, you know, you don't want to give the devil a foothold. Amen? Because once he gets a foothold, that means he gets a up place on you. And then he starts kicking and fighting. And the next thing you know, you're in his grip. You're bound and then you're outwitted. And Y'all are too smart now because you've heard all the schemes. You know you got the enemy. You know the plan on how to do it. So you're not going to be outwitted. Amen? Now, as we look at this, we see these places. You know that we're tempted to a wrong action, a sinful action. We're prompted to a sinful assumption, an ideal of thought. We're driven to a sinful ambition. We're aroused to a sinful anger. And then lastly, as we close... We can be incited to a sinful assurance. You know, I've always struggled with this passage because I thought it was so innocent. But 
we find this account of David, you know, which was one of God's chosen holy men of God. I mean, he just was amazing. And God set him aside and he killed the giant and did so many amazing things. But in 1 Chronicles 21, and verse 1, it said, Satan rose up against Israel. And then he incited David to take a census. And that, I look, that's why I say sometimes we can be incited. I look up that word incited. It means stirred up or urged on. In other words, sometimes we just get stirred up to do the wrong thing. It could be something that doesn't seem so bad. It just seemed like the right thing to do and an okay thing to do. But David took this census of Israel. And he, he com- what he commanded, that command that he gave. He, in other words, he wanted to go out and count all the armies. He wanted to see how strong he was and really how much he had done. He wanted to count all the people and all the things and all the... He wanted to... I think there were several things going on, and of course we don't know, but as theologians have analyzed it, they realized he was concerned about the size of his army and could he really win the war and really what he accomplished. But that was a stirring up. And what really it was doing was him putting assurance on his battlefield, on his men, instead of on God. You know, as a little boy, young guy... He took out the giant that the whole army was afraid of. And he won battle after battle after battle because God was on his side. But now all of a sudden in his older age, he was saying, well, maybe I need more army to win more battles. And God was saying, David, you don't trust me. You you can't depend on me, David, just like you've always done. And then David said to God, because this command was evil and then God was going to send punishment upon all the Israel. And he said this. This is David's word. He said, I've sinned greatly by doing this. Now I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a very foolish thing. I don't know about you. Have y'all, any of y'all ever done something foolish? You know, I think that's the way I live my life. And sometimes it's, it's foolish because God tells you to do something and it's just everybody else thinks it's foolish. And it's your miracle about ready to happen. But there's other times you just did something foolish and you wish you could have undone it. There's a time and place where you're down a path. You're putting assurances in someone else besides God. You're putting your assurance in your smartness or your ability or your strength or your power. And you need to put it in God. And that's what he really wants us to do. Because sometimes that's a little trick of the devil. He gets us trusting in our abilities instead of trusting in our God who has unlimited ability. When we understand this, it's not the size of the army. It's the size of our God. Amen. And the faith that we have in God. And that's what God wants you to know. That he's come to bring a message to you today that we have an enemy. That you have a way to resist him, fight him, know him, be alert on him. So you can stop being defeated by him. Or even set up to where you're losing your effectiveness. Because God has an assignment for every one of you in this building. And that is to find him, to know him, and help others find him and know him. That you're not here just to get saved, to go to heaven. You're here to take as many as you can with you. 
And that's why when you go out, your ministry is outside here. I don't know where it is in the college campuses and the businesses and the places around here. But you're on assignment for God. Go bring more. Amen. Keep bringing more to where you have to have two services. Because there's so many people getting their lives changed. Because you're on assignment. And you don't want the enemy to win one. And that's what you're here about at True Life. And that's what you're passionate about. That's what your pastor's passionate about. Seeing lives changed. And that's why they're, going to, they're doing all they can to see people come to Christ. Only way to do it is every one of us be in the army. Fighting the same enemy and winning. Amen. Let's just pray our, bow our head for a moment. I said earlier that I would give an invitation. And that invitation would be some of you may not even know Christ. You don't have Jesus living. You don't know where you'd end up today. Well, I never close any service without giving a clear invitation. If today is your day, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, Pastor Steve, include me in this prayer. Today, I'm making a decision to choose Christ, to make Him Lord and believe in Him. It says, if you will believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, that you confess it with your mouth and you will be saved. And so that invitation is going to come right here in just a moment. So when I do, I just want you to raise your hand. Not be afraid. Not be, we're not going to call you up. We're not going to sing you out. In fact, I may not even can see it all. But it doesn't matter. God sees it. So right now, if you want Jesus as Lord, and this is your day of salvation, will you just lift your hand right now all over the building? Just lift your hand and just keep it up. Is there anyone out there? Just lift your hand. Make that decision today. Make that decision today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I see one hand. I don't know how many more... But you know what? God sees. So let's just pray a prayer together right now. Let's just pray it all out to, well, together. Sort of a rededication of our commitment to Jesus. Heavenly Father, I need a Savior. Save me, Jesus. I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead so that I can live for you. Now I give you my life. Come live inside of me. Come fill me with your Holy Spirit. That I might be your witness. Use me, Jesus. Empower me. Over the enemy. I stand strong for you. From this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen.